As QuestBridge scholars and alumni step closer to achieving their professional goals, navigating traditionally privileged spaces often becomes the new norm, first at college and later in various programs or workspaces. Over the years, QuestBridge alum Danielle Newton, a 2020 graduate of Princeton University, uncovered a passion for medicine and is now a full-time student at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. While Danielle is enjoying her path to becoming a doctor, she has sometimes felt out of place among her more privileged peers, noticing, for example, how more than half of them have at least one parent already working in medicine. In today's episode, our host, Jamile Jean Leger, chats with Danielle about her experience as a first-generation, low-income medical student and shares the silver linings that Danielle has found in connecting her background to that of the patients she serves. We hope you enjoy it. I'm Grace Sun, and this is The Quest Continues. Hello, everyone. I'm Jami Lei, your host for today's episode. Today, we'll be talking about navigating a career in medicine through a first-generation low-income lens, and we'll learn more about how background and upbringing can impact the way we navigate a myriad of historically privileged spaces. Our guest today is Danielle Newton, a QB alum who graduated from Princeton University in 2020. How are you doing today, Danielle? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, lovely to be speaking with you today. Um, before we dive in and talk about your experience as a first-generation low-income or thickly med student, can you tell us a little bit more about your college experience and your professional path so far? Yeah, sounds great. So I, well, I'll start from the beginning briefly. So I um, was born outside of Chicago, and then I moved to Colorado when I was like around nine went to middle school and high school in Colorado. And then from there, I went to Princeton. And I studied chemistry at Princeton. And kind of towards the second half of college is when I started, you know, thinking about going into medicine. And so um, I started kind of going down that path. And then after graduating from Princeton, I spent a year living in Dallas. And I worked as an EMT, and then I also worked in clinical research for the year. And then I moved to LA at the end of that year to start medical school at UCLA. So now I'm basically halfway done. I'm finishing up my second year right around now. Whoa, that sounds like an interesting ride so far. And how has the second year gone? Yeah, it's been really good. The second year of med school at UCLA is actually the clinical year. So I'm rotating through all of the different um, specialties and types of medicine. And so it's a bit of a whirlwind. Like you just, it's like starting a new job every month where also you're like being constantly evaluated and you've like never done the job before. So it's kind of, it's just like such a whirlwind, but it's been really good. It's, you actually get to do medicine. I've learned like so much in the past year the patients make it all really worth it, just being able to take care of them and meet them and hear their stories. And so, yeah, it's a lot of work and it's long hours and it's, you know, at times it can be really overwhelming, but it's also super rewarding. And I really loved it. Well, it's great to hear that you're pursuing something that you're so passionate about. Um, Was there any one thing that particularly motivated you to pursue medicine? 
Yeah, that's a that's like a question I feel like I wasn't able to answer until I got to med school, which is kind of interesting and maybe unfortunate for like the amount of times I got asked this question on the interview trail. Um, but yeah, I think it's a combination of things like, so, you know, throughout my childhood, I, I grew up around like substance use and mental health conditions and it kind of instilled like a, like a compassion and, and like a desire to heal and like an empathy for people who were struggling. And I just had compartmentalized that from like this other half of me that was just like, oh, I think science is really cool. I want to have a career where I feel like I'm giving back to the world. Like that kind of, you know, points me towards medicine. And then what really like flipped the switch for me was in early college, I was doing like wilderness first aid training to be a backpacking leader for these like freshman orientation trips that Princeton has. And and I was like taking this class, it was like three hours from seven to 10 p.m. on a, every Wednesday night. So everyone else was like, this is so annoying. Can't believe we have to go to this nighttime three hour class every week just to become a backpacking leader. And I was like, are you guys kidding me? This is so fun. I like showed up every day and I was like so excited to see what we were going to learn. It was so interesting. And my instructor was an EMT. And like towards the end of the class, I remember him asking me, like, are you pre-med? And I'd been asked that question a thousand times because I was in a major that had a lot of pre-medical students. And I was like, no, I'm not like, stop asking. And he was like, well, maybe you should be like, you seem you really like this stuff. I was like, well, shoot, let me think about it. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I started thinking about medicine. And then once I got to med school, I realized how much it overlaps with all of this other kind of value-based reasons that had come to me from growing up, like how much an MD can really give you like opportunity and power to affect all of the social determinants of health in people's lives and, and how much, you know, violence and and trauma prevention and substance use care and mental health care are those things are all medicine and so it's been really beautiful in the past like two years since i've been in med school to realize that and to see it all come together for me and um and now it really feels like okay this is this is like where i want to be well that is actually really amazing i i kind of want to dig more into that like those values-based reasons because i think that kind of as we're pursuing like a big world with lots of career paths. One of the ways to help us make decisions is to rely on our values some. So I kind of wanted to to hear you maybe share a little bit more around how some of your values or maybe it was informed by your upbringing to some extent, but how did they kind of impact your shape, um, your decision? You know, my father was an alcoholic and it was definitely, it affected like a lot of aspects of my life, obviously, like financially and emotionally and you know, logistically and things like that. But I think just watching someone really struggle like that, you know, and, and watching how much this like disease defeated him, it just made me like, I just kept, you know, my heart just kept feeling broken and I, and I kept wanting to do something. And they have this like big mantra and like substance use recovery, which is that if the, if the person doesn't want to change, like no one can force them to, and like no one can go through this journey for them. And And I just kept feeling like maybe a little frustrated by that. And so I think just constantly having those feelings, it like instilled this kind of, 
yeah, like I think I said before, desire to heal. It sounds a little cliche or like maybe a little storybook, but that that's the best way I can describe it is that I just I was like, no, I want to do like, how can I help? And like, I see this person who's really struggling and I, and I want to them to get better. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of witnessing, you know, some like interpersonal violence or emotional abuse and witnessing that just within the realm of like being a low income person. I think it gave me a, a sense of compassion for people around me or, or like hearing people's struggle stories and, and realizing what the difference between like privilege and non-privilege is and being on one side of that spectrum, I think gives you a good perspective for the world and, and what people go through. And I can't relate to all experiences by any means. And there's a lot of things I probably still have to, you know, learn to have empathy for, but I think having my own set of experiences gave me a, a greater sense of that. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I see those types of values kind of fitting in with my my path in medicine. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that those experiences would allow you to bring just a whole different level of care and connection to the work that you do. Do you see this as an asset and how does it impact your interactions with your patients? Yeah, I love this question because I think for the first couple like you know months or maybe even year of being in medical school i didn't i didn't see it as an asset like i i felt really disadvantaged because i don't like the path to medicine wasn't paved for me and i don't really recognize any of the landmarks along the way and i don't feel as like comfortable in this space and and so i just felt like oh it'd be really nice if i had like a bunch of family in medicine like um all of my friends you know kind of throwing this little pity party for myself but then once I got onto like into the hospital and I started seeing patients I was like no this is an asset this is an advantage because I can really relate to my patients and especially me I'm like really passionate about working with patients who are underserved in medicine and who don't have great access to care and so I've been rotating at hospitals or I've been you know prioritizing rotating at hospitals that serve these types of patient populations and so I see people that I can that I can relate to a little bit more. So, you know, when I have a patient who like didn't pick up their medications because they can't afford to, and now they're coming back like even sicker and the doctors are frustrated. They're like, I prescribed you the thing that would make you healthier. And like you, you know, like you're at fault, like you messed up and you didn't take this medication. I'm like, I can understand that what it's like to not be able to afford your health care. And I can understand what it's like to have to work multiple jobs so you don't end up making your follow-up appointments. And so, yeah, and everyone, you know, every every medical student, every doctor has a different set of experiences that informs their care. And so you relate to patients differently, which is why it's so important to have like a diversity of physicians in the world. But, you know, for me and my experiences personally, I, I've I, I think it's really been nice to see how it plays out when I'm like taking care of patients that I'm like, oh, I can, we can sit here and we can have a conversation about how we're going to get you to afford your medications because I can understand what it's like to not be able to afford them. And so, so yeah, definitely an asset. I think it just took a little bit of time for me to kind of realize that or, or get out of the funk of like, everyone's ahead of me. I'm just trying to catch up and realize like, no, there are advantages to this experience as well. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that there's that relatability 
and way of understanding where they're at and kind of meeting them in that moment. Um, kind of related, but you mentioned just the diversity of experiences that really informed care and, and the necessity of having like a broad background, um, you know, of physicians in order to have, again, that variety of care provided. I kind of want to talk about your time as a med student and then ask how your various identities have informed that experience. I know that you mentioned pity parties and, and like getting out of the funk, but also there's parts of it that have been really like impactful and transformative. So I'd love to hear you speak to that. What an experience. Um, I mean, part of med school is literally just me being in my 20s and like trying to live my life. And so part of me and part of what's important to me while I'm in med school is literally just prioritizing non-med school things. So I really, in the first year, I prioritized travel a lot and I used all my breaks to like explore different places, especially within California because I've never been here before. So I just love being able to go like up and down the coast and all around and just see this beautiful state. And, and also while I've been in med school, I've done a lot of, I've like learned a lot of new sports. I started playing pickleball very recently started playing some beach volleyball. I ran a, a half marathon for the first time. I'm like not a runner. And I've just met a lot of new people and explored the city. And so so that's part of med school for me is just making sure I keep all of that stuff and it's all important to me. So that's part of med school. Um, and then, yeah, the other part is, is all the learning. It's like a crazy thing to think back to just two years ago and be like, whoa, I know so much more now than I did then. It doesn't even feel like all of that information can fit in my head at once. But, but yeah, I just, sometimes it's, it's really easy to forget that like the things that now come really easy to me that, that feel like really simple parts of medicine are things that like a lot of people don't know. And so, so I like getting that perspective. Um, yeah. And then, you know, being a med student has its ups and downs. Like sometimes it's really cool and it's all like clicking and you're like, wow, this is like so interesting. And then sometimes it's just really, you know, hard work and you're putting your nose to the grindstone and you're just getting done, like what done, what needs to get done. And like I kind of alluded to before being in the hospital now, that's a completely different experience because you're, you're learning so much, but you're also kind of being judged on how that learning is going and how you can enact what you've learned into, into patient care and, you're also at the very bottom of the totem pole and that ha comes with its own set of experiences. But yeah, so it's, it has, it highs and its lows. And, you know, the last thing I'll mention, which is kind of something I talked about a little bit is just how I engage with my classmates and over around half of my classmates have a parent in medicine. And that's like something the school really boasts. They're like, oh my God, half of our class is a first generation medical student, which is awesome. And I love that. But like, when you really stop and think about it, or when I stop and think about it, I'm like, but half of my class has a parent who's a doctor. Like that to me is really wild and like not, you know, reflective of like the people I grew up around or the people I relate to. So yeah, so sometimes that gets to me a little bit when I feel like, well, maybe they have a greater sense of comfort and familiarity just when like even entering the hospital than I do. And they have, you know, at the very least they have someone in this profession that they can relate to they've like ha they've seen this profession modeled for them um in a way that i don't feel like i have and 
And so, like I said, that kind of sometimes makes me feel like I don't relate to people or that like I, I, I don't belong here, but sometimes I'm okay with it. Like, I think it just goes in waves and, and the, and the good news is, you know, I've never felt like this career is unattainable for me. There were times where I just didn't feel like it was like, I just wasn't thinking about it, you know, before I decided to go into medicine, I just wasn't like, it just wasn't on my radar as maybe it was for people who have had a parent in medicine. So they can kind of have pictured themselves in this career since they were like five, you know, for me, I just, I never like had that in my head, but I, at the same time, I never felt like I couldn't be a doctor if I wanted to. So, so I'm very thankful to, to be able to say that and to have enough like privilege in my life to, to feel like this is an attainable goal. Um, but it definitely doesn't come without its moments of imposter syndrome. That's actually really encouraging to hear that even though it's still hard or there are some challenges, like, yeah, yeah, you never did think that it was unattainable. And I think there's something around believing that you can do something, even despite it being hard to do, um, that actually results in really cool things like you um, becoming a doctor that someone can see and then be able to relate to. So um, I can definitely empathize um, like with that kind of trajectory or those feelings. Um, I'm curious about some of those challenges that you mentioned. Like, have you found healthy ways to navigate them? What does it really look like to weather those waves? Yeah, I think a big part of it, which is going to be unsurprising, is just finding people who can model this career for you that you do relate to. So QuestGrade has played a role in that, and they have a lot of connections to you know, it's just it's just a network of alumni. And so you can find physicians in this network. And, and I've reached out to them and just been able to talk. And, and then UCLA, my med school has also done a good job of this. They have um, a first generation community and they kind of pair you in these little families. And it contains like other med students who identify as first generation medical students and also physicians. And so it just creates a community and a space for you to like talk about your experience. But I think what it's done for me mostly is, is just like be that model and say like, you know, okay, here's a really successful physician who on the surface at least looks like she's fitting in and like doing a great job. And like, she came from a background that I can relate to. So that I think just even, you know, even if you don't like, meet with this mentor every week or you don't like engage deeply with like all of these mentorship opportunities that come your way like even just having them and seeing them the optics of that I think has been really important for me um and then yeah like I said the other aspect of that is is I'm out of med school that cares about that that shares my values and that's been really important to me and it's advice that I always give to people when they're asking me like how do I choose a med school um, because there's a whole curriculum built into the to the first year of UCLA's um, school med school where they they talk about health equity and social justice and advocacy and it's like clearly a priority for this school and it's clearly a value and then and as it is for me and then they've also done a really amazing job of admitting a class of students who are like unbelievably passionate about these kinds of things and we're always going the extra mile for their patients and even sometimes when we're just like you know getting dinner together like 
and our, we're just chatting about like our days, my friends will bring up like these things that they did for patients and how they worked around the system to, to help patients and these like kind of creative ways that they've shown that they're really passionate about social justice and health equity. And so, so yeah, just having peers that are passionate about it, having a school that cares about it helps me feel reassured that like, okay, I'm supposed to be here because I have an experience that will contribute positively to all of these, you know, values and passions. And, and also like I'm being supported in my desire to want to care about social determinants of health and, and things like that. Yeah. That's really great to hear. Uh, when you consider like that background, low income, I'm curious around how you reconcile that identity now as you are entering into this more privileged space and will be entering this career um, that many, maybe from your background, again, might not have had exposure to. Like, how do you reconcile or just navigate um, that identity? Do you still resonate with it or has it has it changed somewhat for you? Yeah, I I also love this question. It's been something I've, I've really been thinking about a lot. Um, because the transition from like low income to high income is so interesting because I really believe that being low income is a forever identity. Like I think it permanently shapes the way that you think about money and finances and what's like worth spending your money on and what's not. And, and, and also just like how you view yourself in the world. And so I think even when like, you know, on paper, my bank account has a certain number in it. Like it's not going to change the way I feel about spending my money. And, and so it will, it will like do a lot of other really good things for me and allow me to like live a really good life, which I'll be very thankful for, but I don't think it will change the way I feel about money. And so, so that's like a really interesting little limbo to live in. And, um, and I'm not exactly sure, you know, I'm a med student, so I have still no money. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how this will play out when, like, you know, when it, when it comes time to, but it's definitely interesting to think of. And even while I'm in med school now, it's kind of hard to manage. It's hard to budget because all of the money I spend is loans. So it's sort of like, okay, any money that I spend now, I have to pay back later, but later I'll have, I'll supposedly be high income. So then maybe it won't matter. You know, so to me, it's a big deal that I'm like going out to eat with my friends right now, because that's always been a big deal to me. Like I always like have reservations when I think about when I look at the menu and I look at the food prices and I'm like, oh, I like, this is an expensive restaurant or like, oh, I should get like this cheaper item, even though I want this more expensive item more. Like that's always running through my head. But now that it's like, well, this is, this is not current Danielle that's spending this money. This is like future Danielle that will pay the price for this money and future Danielle will supposedly be able to afford this. And then should I, you know, so it's, it's been a lot more complex for me to like, think about how to spend my money and to budget, but I'm thankful enough that I have really good scholarships to cover a lot of my med school, the cost of med school. And so I do have a little bit of wiggle room and then, yeah, but I, I do, I do really like your question because I think it's, it's always interesting to think about what that transition will be like from one 
tax bracket to another. And, and it is hard for me to imagine what it will be like to make that much money or like how it will play out or what, you know, what kinds of things I'll be able to afford or life I'll be able to live. Cause I just, it's like an unfathomable experience for me or like a, I don't really know what that number looks like in real life. I can certainly resonate with money being something that has been like more, you know, foremost in my thought for a really long time. And so it's harder to put down what has become so familiar. To close our conversation now with some advice for others, I'd love to ask what what guidance you might have to offer for Questy, just considering career paths and programs that are historically privileged spaces, um, whether that be medical school or, or anything else. Yeah, like I think so, a lot of these pearls I've, I've shared, so I'll just kind of summarize them. I think, you know, one thing is that you you have to remember that your experience is, is totally an asset and that you bring a really important perspective to the field. You'll be a model for other people who have your experience that are like younger for you. And you'll also be able to relate to your patients, you know, more and and then therefore you'll provide better care for them. So you are wanted in this space, you are needed in this space, and everyone is so unique and has their own like matrix of experiences that like, even if you're like, well, there's so many, you know, people like me applying to med school, like there, but there's no one that has your matrix of experiences and there are patients who have your matrix. And so don't forget that. Um, And then when you're picking a med school, like find those values that you care about. Like there's so many things you can choose a med school off of and you can look at their research stats and you can look at like how many people match into how many residency programs. But if you feel like you're aligned with the school on a values-based level, like you will just, I think you will have a better experience. I think you'll really get along. You'll feel supported. You'll find physicians and mentors that want to do the things that you do. And then you'll be surrounded by classmates who share your passions. And that's like such a beautiful thing. And I've learned so much from my peers. So I would give that advice as well. And then, yeah. And then, you know, just don't forget that everything is, is always more complex than we think it is. Like everyone's story contains some amount of privilege and some amount of disadvantage. And you don't have to have like a perfect, struggle story or a perfect like privilege story to get anywhere like you you can get wherever you want with like your cool little combination of all of the things that you've experienced and so sometimes I feel like I'm really privileged to be here and then sometimes I feel like I'm such an imposter and I don't belong here and all of those things can be true at once or not at all so anyone who's thinking about embarking on this journey I just I wish them all the luck The Quest Continues is a production of QuestBridge, a nonprofit organization that connects outstanding students from low-income backgrounds with opportunities at top colleges and universities. I would like to thank Jamile Jean Leger for conducting this interview and Danielle Newton for sharing her story. If you would like to learn more about QuestBridge, please visit us at questbridge.org. If you are interested in contacting us about this podcast or to reach Danielle Newton, please email us at alumni at questbridge.org. Thanks, and we hope you join us next time for The Quest Continues.